0: Welcome to the podcast! You've got Billy and the Kid and Koi! So, this is is. the only number one podcast in the world, uh, as ranked by my mom. Did you know that, Billy?
1: Nope. Your mom, (laughs) eh?
0: Technically, uh, we're number two, because when I asked her what her favorite podcast is, she said, uh, the fuck is a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) So we don't really have any set topics. There's definitely a feel that we're going for. This is our inaugural podcast, so the first one we're doing, and we're talking a little bit about who I am, who Billy is, and let's actually kick it off with Billy, and we'll start talking about stuff.
1: Let's do it. First podcast. What should we name this podcast?
0: You know, I I have thought about it, and I had a so one of the things I love to do in my free time is think about. Fictional restaurant names And one of them <laughs> I, I actually think is something Would fit for this podcast
1: Okay, because is... we'll probably be talking about food For some of the topics
0: <laughs> For sure But I, I want to hear what you got on, on on your mind first I like that, like, did you, have any... that
1: you just had? I had no nothing in mind actually Nothing in
0: mind for a name Alright, so what I came up with a while ago um, Was a Restaurant that sold comfort food for Asian-Americans that grew up, you know, like in the Bay Area. Uh, And I figured that since we're we initially talked about talking about Asian-American issues, uh, I wanted to call that restaurant and possibly this podcast, A.A. Soul.
1: A.A. Soul, like Soul, S-O-U-L. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's cool. That's cool. I like let's let's keep that for now. Let's keep that for now. because I, I really like the the whole concept of food and then definitely like, you know, Asian American and the soul. It's kind of like that throwback, right, with the with the books. And essentially, a podcast is a, a, a pretty much audio book, right? You're kind of. yeah. Rem- do you remember the book back in the day, Chicken Soup? for the teenage soul or something like that
0: chicken, chicken soup for the teenage soul yeah we uh i remember my first intro with that was at catholic school like vietnamese catholic school they made no us read some way. story yeah i still rem- <laughs> i still remember the exact story that uh that came that they were teaching us that uh when they when they first brought it up to us too was, i don't know how i that just like immediately came to my mind but it did
1: Tell me the story, because I I remember the book, because my sister had it, but I don't remember any stories. All
0: right. Um, So I remember they translated this into Vietnamese, because it's Catholic slash Vietnamese school. So they translated it into Vietnamese, and maybe I'm making this up, and this story never existed in Chicken Soup for the Soul, but this is what I remember. Um, There was a little kid who asked his dad, who kept asking his dad, Dad, how much do you make? Uh, how much do you make in an hour of working? And the dad, you know, works a lot. He's never home. He's always busy with work, and so he gets pissed off by this question. He's like, "What do you care about money?" And so he doesn't answer the kid. And the kid keeps asking him, "Dad, how much do you make for um, make an hour?" Uh, and then after a while, he relents and he's like, "Okay, I make let's say twenty dollars an hour." And then mm-hmm. the kid goes. Okay, can I borrow twenty dollars? And the mat and the dad's like super mad. And like you know, we don't have that much money. Um, I can't believe you've been bugging me all all these weeks for twenty. Like just to know how much I make, and now you're asking me for money. And, and he goes, "What do you want the money for?" And the kid goes, "I just wanted to see if I could borrow an hour of your time."
1: Oh! <laughs> wow!
0: Right, like heartbreaking right in the fields with that one I I don't know if that's actually a chicken soup for the teenage soul story but when you said <laughs> that I am that's immediately what came to my
1: mind That's a great story it's like it's like the um have you heard There was another story where a teacher holds up a $20 bill in class and then he he asks everybody in the, in the class who wants this $20 bill and everybody raises their hand so he crumples up the the adult, the bill, and then he asks, okay, who wants it now? And everyone still shoots their hands up. Then he takes the $20 bill, throws it on the ground and steps on it and spits on it and asks everybody who wants it. Everybody still has their hands up. And then he tells them, this is an important lesson for you guys that no matter how much life has, you know, crumpled you up, threw you down, stepped on you and spat on you, you're still worth value.
0: Oh. Yeah. That is a good Those, one. Oh what,
1: man. Are, what what did you call these are like what is it? Chicken chicken soup for <laughs> the soul stores. <laughs> uh there needs to be
0: a... we need to make this uh we need to tie this in and find an Asian version of this.
1: Yo, I got a, I got a, I got one. I got I know how to tie it back in. So
0: are you gonna call uh, are you gonna call are you just gonna call it Fug A for the for the
1: <laughs> for the teenage soul? <laughs> Fuck, that's hella funny. Uh, me Wang for the... Ch- uh,
0: for those uh, many fans of ours that don't understand what we're talking about, we're just naming Vietnamese noodle dishes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anyways, you're going to say something.
1: Yeah, so um, it seems like there was a lot of people, especially where we grew up in San Jose, as kids in our elementary schools, um, they would sell... Amongst the Asian kids, right, our schools were just predominantly Vietnamese, maybe a little bit of mm-hmm. Asian, and Mexicans. And um, for the Vietnamese, they would buy, like, the mama silver bag noodles. Oh, yeah. And you would bring that to school. You would crush that. You would yeah. have that snack. And then there would always be some kid in your class or within a different class that would be selling those silver bag noodles. And trying to just you know, you would buy it from them too because you wanted it at that time, and they would sell it for a dollar when they're usually like the whole box was what like five dollars. So you have twenty yeah. packs, and they would make a huge profit. And that kid ended up being like you know growing up being a drug dealer, and then becoming like a professional, Whoa. probably like business person, right? That that's making yeah. hell of money right now, because because if you think about it, they got that business ethos and and mindset to to profit to to know who their supply and demand um, but it's, can you go ahead
0: it's 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 crazy that you talk about that because there's uh distinctly people from high school that I remember just always hustling always hustling like trying to find ways to make money and the guy I'm talking I'm, I'm thinking of specifically right now he did kind of the same thing but with candy bars and I remember one time someone asked him yo there's not like what fundraiser is for he's like what well, fundraiser? There's no fundraising going on. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's a he's like a, he's like an account rep now, a salesman. So it's like it's just it's crazy how some people just have that natural selling drive.
1: hmm It's it's just that hustle. They they've had the hustle when they're little, but so that's the even just now nowadays, right? We if you weren't if you didn't have that muscle that hustle mindset as a kid, um, you need it now. You, you, as a kid you maybe just follow the rules follow the path of studying hard working hard your first job was just maybe like something in fast food or, or some quick teenage job you followed that route and that was your hustle but then where we are now with our careers we that is our main hustle but then you also need a side hustle that's what i'm learning now you, you always though? need a side hustle
0: what do you why income. do you feel like you always need a side hustle
1: it's just a passive income, a passive a, a, a hobby to just make money on the side. Um, mm-hmm. It's just there's, there's, there's time to be that I can dedicate to something else. And then sometimes it's just maybe my career right now isn't something that I don't know if I want to fully, you know, live till I'm 60 doing the same thing. I'd rather yeah. find something else and maybe like slowly incorporate that into my income and then mm-hmm. make it towards, um, it's like 50% of my time is work, 50% of my time is a side hustle. And then I can make the decision of, I need to jump to one or the other, rather than you know making the effort now and being like, I gotta jump, I wanna jump now. Um, I just wanna slowly build that side hustle up and then see if maybe sure. I wanna make the decision to jump into that. But guess what the side hustle proposition that I have idea for you is, this idea of slinging mama silver bag noodles. <laughs> <laughs> but check this out. I saw this video on YouTube where it was called like ramen around the world. And uh-huh. I think it was somewhere in Nigeria where they had instant ramen. They crushed it up and they chopped up some onions and tomatoes um, and mixed it with the, with the, with the um, broken noodles and then sque- squeeze, like lime on top. And then you just eat that with a spoon, and just you know, you have all the crunches and the, that flavor, kind of like a toasty locos. <laughs>
0: I'm failing. I'm failing. I'm failing to see how this is gonna become a business hustle or proposition for you.
1: <laughs> because if we had a pop-up and we just sling these silver bag noodles with onions and tomatoes and lime and added some other stuff, like maybe like pickled carrots and daikon. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you, you open up this pop-up, and then you just call it Mama Boys. <laughs> I, I, I you and it, me, you, you ready? <laughs> Mama Boys.
0: Mama Boys. We're going to start a podcast, start swinging noodles. What
1: else? What <laughs> The silver bag is Tom Yum flavored, so it'll be Tom like Toasty Locos, Tom Yum Locos, <laughs>
0: I do want to get back to your to your to your topic about like having a side hustle because I can definitely agree that if you are in a position where you know like if you're in a position where you're not happy with your career, hundred percent like and you feel like something either you need a new interest or you just wanna make money on the side, hundred percent I'm for that. But I definitely feel like our culture is getting to this point where like especially Americans like where there's this increasing pressure to monetize every single spare second of your day. And I feel like it's making us making me at least super unhappy. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. that, that hustle and that drive. If it's, if it's a hustle and drive that leads you to passion and fulfillment, and if making money is part of your passion fulfillment, sure, go for it. Uh, But for Doing it just for the sake of making money, I definitely feel like, I definitely feel like, I don't know. I just don't think it's a good way to live. And I do have to preposition this with I'm the type of person who, like, man, my my goal in life is just contentment. Like, I just want to be content with what I have. And uh, and so I feel like this pressure to always have to be doing something with your free time when nothing's wrong with just enjoying your free time. Um, Yeah. It's like it's it's getting very pervasive in the American hustle culture.
1: True, true. But what about what about this um let me bring it back. This Asian cultural type of way of just how money is really important in our community. Yeah.
0: It is like, true. It is true.
1: Is is this something that's ingrained in us as Asians just always, you know, loving money so much? And uh, I guess loving gambling Because, you know, in Las Vegas <laughs> and, and and Macau It's like, dude, they cater to The Asians and the Chinese And Vietnamese uh,
0: Yeah, it's definitely An important uh, It's definitely a, Like, Asians love that flashy Culture, at least, you know, like On the, uh, speaking very generally And who is it? Who's the comedian who does a really good bit about this? Uh, what's his name? The, Ronnie Chang, uh, yeah, Ronnie Chang read my mind. Where he yeah. goes, people say Happy New Year's is Gong Hei Fa Choi. That doesn't mean Happy yeah. New Year's. That means I wish you make money. <laughs> that's how much we
1: love money. <laughs> it's true, uh, but is it? Maybe it's the money, or maybe it's like um, Chinese Asian people just like luck, and money yeah. is that I mean, form know, of luck. That I mean, that's that's, that's uh, physical. And transactionable
0: yeah, For sure, for sure. I mean, as much as like, as much of a hippie that I want to be, and and, and want to say that you know, money isn't everything. God damn, it's a lot of it. <laughs> like, yeah. just like having comfort and stability is absolutely everything when you're trying to have, I don't know, good mental health, trying to be healthy, trying to do what you want in life. You know.
1: Yeah, I guess you know, going back with what you were saying with the American culture of. The hustle being very pervasive Maybe it's also That idea where money doesn't Buy you happiness was very pervasive And then Sometimes it does, it brings you The stability, especially for Maybe like for us Right, like our parents came Here as immigrants, poor And They expected a lot of Expected a lot from us to Make a lot of money as we were born Like I don't know if you know, people as like second generations would have that same type of idea that they push to their kids. And the second generation, like
0: Yeah, well you I mean we'll have to find out because than... our... Yeah. Yeah. I think I think especially for our parents because they came from nothing. Mm-hmm. Whereas at least like we're in we're, we're in a pretty fortunate circle where a lot of us are can at least take care of ourselves and we're not stressing day to day about living paycheck to paycheck too much, you know? um and so it'll be really interesting to see what type of what type of kids our generation raises like i would i would love to think that our our generation um while teaching our kids to be self-sufficient because we have that practical asian mindset also like become a little bit more americanized and begin to also reach out and teach about kind of you know, like more of the emotional wellness or or um, self-care or some of the things, because I think that's that's such a relevant topic um, pretty much everywhere right now, but I think also mm-hmm. in the Asian community especially because we're so uh, – the idea of mental health is, is traditionally so stigmatized.
1: Agreed. But it's also, I guess, it's also a privilege to be able to get that help for therapy and things like that too to even acknowledge 100. that that you need that mental yeah. capacity to to fix yourself
0: yeah for sure for sure kind of getting back to the the new generation though kind of since you, you brought it up i'm 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 very very interested to see what the gen z's like you know, people love to talk about um, generational differences and gaps and values. And I definitely think that it is, you know, individual's individual, everyone's very different. But there's definitely, because of the environment you grow up in, uh, the political landscape, the now ecological landscape, like there's definitely certain themes that carry over in value across this generation. So my question to you is, what's your take on the Gen Z folks? I know I, I know you've, we've talked about this before.
1: Well, with the take on them is just, they, they're in a completely new mindset that we don't understand. We're just going to become the old folks who don't understand. But <laughs> I think with, with whatever mindset they have, it's, they're progressing. It's not like you can't be the old guy thinking that they're, like, regressing, right? Like, in terms of culture, intellect, responsibilities, and all, that, all of that. I think with the the Gen Zs, they, they have a lot more focus, definitely. And maybe it's because they're prescribed, you know, real and all. <laughs> but it, it can also be it, – it, it's because they're able to balance out all of these freaking – different distractions with their phones and TV and all of this content that they can consume in social media. It's like, there's so many distractions out there, maybe a lot Dude, more than when we grew it. up. And they can focus a lot more on like their studies or figure out how to how to have that focus a lot better.
0: Man, that's, that's definitely one thing I wonder because for me, uh, like, I remember growing up and having time to explore and be curious and get bored. Whereas after phones came out, I was never bored in the sense that I had no stimulation. But like it's not, it's not fulfilling, fun or true. stimulation. You know, like sometimes I get stuck on like Reddit for hours and hours at a time. And Very like, true. yeah. And so I wonder how that affects them because I mean, all the shit that's going on right now, all the shit that's going on right now in parentheses, plus kind of like just the dynamic of how like shit technology is evolving way faster than our tiny little mammalian brains are able to adapt to, man, it's got to fuck us up all in one way or another.
1: Yeah. Very, very true. It's, it's, uh, we don't even know, maybe I'm putting on like a tinfoil hat, but we don't even know what the Wi-Fi radiation is doing to our brains in 5G. (laughs) 5G networks.
0: Uh, man, as long as you don't tell me 5G causes coronavirus, we can still be friends.
1: <laughs> <laughs> man, it's uh, it's wild how like um you have the Bay Area and like UC Berkeley as like mm. this progressive hippie type of institution to do doing research and there are professors and scientists at UC Berkeley who do that did publish Uh, Scientific articles about How 5G um, Increases cancers in rats So a lot of these people who are Like believing that 5G networks You know are, um, Are hazardous to us And like they want to tear it down There is like a source of A little bit of truth to it it's back yeah. it's backed by science. They're researching it, but then it's just you have to look at the specifics in the study itself to exactly. see, you know what yeah. is what is the exposure, what is the what is the test that they're that they're doing it you on. Know, because if it's like two out of three rats that that their cancers increase, it's like you don't know if there was the radiation or if it's just those two rats, you know, have poor immune systems and the cancer just spreads a lot easier.
0: Yeah, or it's like the MSG myth about how, you know, like, universally, at least in America, MSG is like, oh, shit, it's hella bad. And yeah. you know, what started it was those, those scientific studies, and then you read the studies, and you realize they were feeding the rats, like, twice their body weight in MSG
1: every mm. fucking
0: day. And it's like, okay, all right, let's, let's take that with, like, a huge grain of salt.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy that, like, freaking Doritos and, like, Hot Cheetos, they got MSG in it, too.
0: Dude. I love MSG. I don't care what the fuck anyone says.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to use it. Well, I bought it before, but I think I, like, sprinkled it on a marinade. At, but I don't really know if I added too little or too, or too much, but it still tastes good with, like, everything else that I added.
0: Yeah, I don't actually I, – I can't say I actually cook with it. I mean, I, I use – um like the pre-made chicken bouillon stock whenever I want to add flavor to something, like extra flavor to something, mostly because mm-hmm. I know it's full of MSG. But mm-hmm. there is, um, there's this restaurant in, in Chinatown in SF. I'm sure Fong, Billy's roommate, I'm sure Fong has brought you wings from Capital, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the next time Fong brings you wings from Capitol Take a wing out, shine a light at it, and look, because you can see just giant flakes of MSG on the wing, and that's why it's so delicious.
1: <laughs> yeah, all everything on the Chinese menu that says, like, salt and pepper, it's salt, MSG, and pepper. <laughs> salt and pepper, salt and pepper fish, so salt and pepper chicken wings.
0: Oh, my God, I've never thought about it, but you're right. Yeah, there's no way just salt and pepper makes food that good. <laughs>
1: I've tasted MSG by itself before and it didn't taste like anything. It it didn't taste good.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things that needs. Like, it creates a base. Like, by itself, it's nothing, but with flavor, it creates like this base base that you can barely take take a hint of. I don't know.
1: Yeah. It's very weird. I think it's like this fear of. Would you consider. MSG as genetically modified
0: I don't think so No I think it's just An extract that you can produce By I mean I don't fucking know But I'm pretty sure it's just an extract Because everything there's uh, Things make plants Produce MSG on their own
1: Right right But you then know. so what is like this whole um, Backlash against genetically Modified foods
0: Ooh. This is a fun topic that I have no fucking clue about. Other than, <laughs> <laughs> other than I know what genetic modification is, mm-hmm. like, right? Like that's when they're actually going in with something like CRISPR, where they're literally editing the genes of the plant. So they're going like, to cut this,
1: like seedless watermelon, seedless grapes. Uh, uh, I don't cotton, know, actually. Aren't like I know... cotton candy grapes? Wouldn't like the Impossible <laughs> Burger? be considered genetically modified foods. Uh
0: so anything would be considered genetically modified food if the people who are producing it go in and actually use something to like snip out and replace or change the genes in the DNA of the plant or whatever it is. And so with um with what was the first thing you mentioned? Seedless watermelons. Uh yeah. like it's possible that it's just like a hybrid of different fruits like how citrus lemons and limes technically aren't an original fruit it was created by creating hybrids of different citrus fruits until you got something that you called a lime so technically that's genetically modified but that's not what we mean when we use the term genetically modified um i forgot where I'm it's going like, with
1: this no I, I get it it's i i guess a clear distinction would be a good example is milk when you would have like the non-hormone Injected milk uh, or cows that to produce like this large quantity of milk If it's has those hormones, it's just I guess considered Gen mod
0: Possibly there's 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 like here's a very clear example of genetically modified uh, rice So they created this rice uh, called golden rice for the starving populations in uh, less developed countries Uh, Mm -hmm. Where They went in And they altered the rice The rice plant's genes So that it created a type of rice that has More vitamin A More other nutrients and things like that So that people who have nothing to eat but rice They can still get those nutrients And it fucking Mm. blows my mind That we can do that I can't believe that's even a thing
1: (laughs) I I think the whole backlash With genetically modified foods is, Is kind of gone with veganism and how you can like create all these like <laughs> vegan cheeses and vegan something right with all of these added things
0: uh, oh my god this talk about modified foods uh not genetically modified but have you heard of nissen's all-in-one noodles
1: Nissan like the cup noodle brand
0: yeah yeah they just oh. created a product it's out in Japan. I can't. I don't think you can buy it here yet because I've looked at it uh, when it first came out. Um, mm-hmm. But so imagine cup of noodles or instant noodles, but each serving has 33% of all your daily recommended vitamins and minerals.
1: Wow. So kind of like Thinking a toilet. changer. Soylent version. Yeah. Of...
0: <laughs> in <laughs> but in noodle form. How fucking Damn,
1: amazing is that? that's pretty amazing. I
0: was, I was telling Tina, uh, my wife, that I would fucking eat that every single day with different sauces if we had it here. Cause I oh. I like to cook, but it's such a chore, you know?
1: Yeah. But what about those hungry days where you had it you have to eat like two instant noodles? Or three. <laughs>
0: Man, then I'll eat two of them and I'll fry an egg and crack it on top.
1: Damn. Your shit will be crazy the next day. <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your what's your guilty go to
0: food? Or maybe not guilty, maybe what's your what's your like biggest comfort dish?
1: Hmm. Biggest? I'd say just rice and pork floss. Pork stun.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Very easy. But Instant noodles, always. Migrant, (laughs) mama noodles. All those.
0: Mine is um, rice, soy sauce, and a a sunny side of egg.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good. The soy sauce has to be Maggie, or?
0: That's my preference, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Have you tried the spicy Maggie yet? No, I haven't. It's these little, but I don't know why they don't sell it in a bigger bottle. But it's these tiny bottles, and it's it's spicy maggie, but it's really good. You just any you it'll be perfect on rice and eggs. But check the <laughs> store next time. It's a spicy maggie. I wish they came in a bigger bottle because I think our house with my roommate we're on our second bottle already.
0: Damn. Our,
1: actually, our second bottle is done. We need to buy a third one. What I should have bought in the store.
0: New restaurant idea: rice, eggs, and maggie.
1: Call it REM Rem. It's pretty good Uh, We got REM Maggie Toasty Locos So you know how The world right now We see the effects of global warming Which is destroying our earth And it's just We're we're, It's We should have been we should have been, <laughs> been working on you know, helping the Earth like way back then, but now mm-hmm. we're in a point where I don't know what the fuck the next plan is. Don't make it as worse or sustain the, the pain a lot longer, right? But in all of these, these dystopian movies and the movie that we live in right now <laughs> as a dystopia <laughs> is that Earth gets destroyed or is going to get destroyed And it's either um, We take these Three different responses um, Similar to our human responses Human ingrained nature We fight, flight, or freeze So if we fight That means we're going to endure it And we stay here on Earth And try to endure it And live in this dystopian world Like Blade Runner Like um, In San Francisco last week (laughs) Yeah uh what was that? uh September 9th 2020 orange skies about orange skies <laughs> or we fly away to Mars which we're doing now right we're trying to see if we can live on Mars um or we just kind of fr- I think the freeze is that we 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 kind of it's hard to inhabit um another con- another planet so the, the third option is that we're just living in a space station. Like, what's that What's that Disney movie with the girl that sings, and she's living in a space station? And then they had the song went like, zoom, zoom, zoom.
0: What? I have no
1: idea. <laughs> you don't remember that? It was a Disney I, classic, like, ch- children's movie. Uh, a Disney classic children's movie. And then nope, that's a, a singer, and then... It was like, oh, man, it's was, it was, it was a pretty interesting movie. But essentially, we'll be living on a space station. Our kids will be living in a space station and we because Earth is no longer inhabitable.
0: Dude, when it comes to this stuff, I think about this all the time. Like, I am 1,000% a pessimist when it comes to the future of human nature. And the way I recommend it to you is we're just one We're, as a species, we're very short-sighted. Two, to coordinate, like, a massive at-scale operation that requires cooperation for everyone. I don't think Mm -hmm. that's possible. Three, uh, we just, like, we're just too greedy. And that added with the short-sightedness. I don't think anyone is able to Throw themselves in and take action until they feel the physical effects so much that it impacts their daily life. And by that point, I think it's already going to be too late. Um, Where there's there's a lot of studies that say we're in the sixth mass extinction event in the history of the world, and mm-hmm. the biodiversity is declining at uh, at like in like uh unprecedented rate um we already know the craziness that's going on right now that we're experiencing in california and it's just like a sign of the times to come but to answer your question i think that in every situation you're going to get a little bit of all of that like we're going to try all the things right like Yes, there's, there's some effort to terraform Mars and make it habitable, whether or not it comes to fruition by the time. Like, will our, our technology advance fast enough that we can get there before it's too late? Who knows? Yeah, uh, yeah. There's always going to be a, a group of people that um, try. There's always going to be a group of people that feel helpless. And, and let's be real, I, I, I think that's the majority of us. <laughs> uh, and we're just going to have to endure the shitty, the shitty Armageddon that's coming. Um, and then there, there's going to be, there's gonna be at least for the privileged, uh, a whole myriad of ways that they're going to try to escape or do something. But I don't know. I don't know. My, my opinion is we're doomed as a species. <laughs> there's not much we can do because we possibly have already passed the tipping point. Uh, and now it's just like, you know, you get past the tipping point and bam, it's just a roller coaster drop until we're all dead, or at least most of us. Are dead Civilization crashes And then the earth Heals on its own And There's some other species That becomes dominant Until they get to the point Where they do The exact same shit we did
1: I can see that Very very glass Empty type of Viewpoint to that But In your With the You know The roller coaster Crashing down We're not sitting In the roller coaster We're just a little Cockroach on the roller coaster So even though It's (laughs) going down We're going to crash And we're still going to survive Because because humans, it's possible. We're pretty yeah. much, you know, we're 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 fucking crazy. It's crazy how some people are able to survive, and I think the population of of mankind would find some way to adapt living in this um, apocalyptic world, either being underground mole people, or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, figuring out I, some way to survive.
0: I believe that that's possible, but I, I like I believe a subset of humans could potentially. Like make it, you know, uh, but I don't think that society as we know it is ever going is ever like is going to be able to continue the way we live now. Like, if anything, it's going to be a complete decimation of the population. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: kind of like what we're facing now with coronavirus and how much it killed so much of mankind already.
0: Yeah, and just think about it. Like, this is such on the scale of. On the scale of uh everything's going great to completely world ending this is a pandemic right so it's like it's kind of high up there but like the effects of this coronavirus isn't even as great as bad as some or even as bad as something we could imagine and there's already so much so much difficulty in responding to this it's
1: you're talking about like my mind you're talking about like if if zombies came to life from this pandemic <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah or if we weren't even going that crazy if this fucking virus had a five percent mortality rate instead of a point six percent mortality rate like we'd be fucked 100 yeah. percent fucked <laughs> yeah. and there'd yeah. still be people out there like being don't infringe on my rights don't there's no fucking masks or oppression this is fascism fuck other people i don't care about other people you know like it blows my mind man
1: yeah, and the survivors are the ones that aren't going to take those risks. How risky have you been during this pandemic? Um, <laughs> How risky would you I be? wish
0: I could say I was, like, super perfect, but probably not. I don't think I've been that risky. <laughs> like, for the first three months, we didn't – three to four months, we didn't see anybody. Um, I think, like, three weeks ago, we went outdoor dining once because we were on the way back from – Yosemite. No, not Yosemite, Mass mm-hmm. Lake. Uh, mm-hmm. and we were hungry and we needed a stop to get food. Um, it's only really been in the last two months that we've kind of been seeing friends and family. Yeah. So Would you go on would you my... go on a plane? It's funny you mentioned that. I might have to, but if I had Whoa. the choice, no. Like yeah. if I had the choice, absolutely not. I don't even want to yeah, go out to here. eat, man. And everywhere I go, I... my mask is on. I use my hand sanitizer on my face and my forearms. On your face? What? (laughs)
1: Uh, Alright, do you wear um, a glove while you pump gas? I don't.
0: I just have my hand sanitizer ready so the second I'm done touching it, I use my hand sanitizer.
1: Do you wear a mask when you pump gas?
0: Yeah. I wear a mask when I sit in my own car.
1: (laughs) Oh, you're one of those. (laughs) 80% Eighty percent of the time. Eighty percent of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a few times where I wore it uh, when masking in the car, but it's only because it's those single use ones. And I, and then you know once you take it off your face, it doesn't it doesn't fit well. Again, it's just gonna go in your mouth and get wet and be weird and muffle your your voice.
0: How do you uh how do you feel about uh people calling it China flu?
1: Mm it's pretty racist. Like. Before it was called China flu, it was called the coronavirus, so they're just adding like a weird nickname to it just to place the blame, but I guess, you know, some people can see that the blame is from China, but it could have happened anywhere. It's not that it started in China, that it's because of China. I don't know. I think it's those people who really use that and and think about that, they don't... um, they live in a bubble and they don't know how the world is, how small the world is.
0: You know, one thing I do want to, and I don't know if I have, I don't know if I have the patience, or, and I don't know if I'm understanding enough to do it. But you mentioned that they live in a bubble, but we also live in a very, like, we very much live in a bubble as well. And I wonder what talking to someone from the other side who is willing to come at a conversation with the prospect of understanding rather than, you know, like just trying to defend their whatever. But the problem is, I don't think those people exist because I can't imagine how the fuck you could have that type of perspective and like want to understand others and and at the same time hold the beliefs that the right wing, the right wing like fanatics have.
1: Yeah. It's just going to be a constant agree to disagree. I created a disagree.
0: Damn, we're getting uh, getting real. We're getting not real (laughs) political, but pretty political here. Meaning, if this is our inaugural inaugural podcast and we're trying to cast a (laughs) wide net, we've already lost a shitload of people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We did. We did. Uh, That's okay. I think maybe, you know, this is what creates the niches in the Internet. um, Because it seems like there's no longer a... like people think there's no longer a subculture because if you if you were belonging to some type of subculture you'd be posting about it on social media or you could find a reddit about it or you could find you know some type of facebook group about this and it's kind of out there if you look for it and it's not no longer considered or back when it used to be like these subcultures
0: I think yeah i i, I can agree i i think subcultures probably still exist maybe we're just not privy about it we're not you know we're not young and hip and cool anymore
1: (laughs) Uh true true you just gotta keep looking in the know but no that's what that's what you the listeners are part of you're the cool (laughs) ones that found us to listen to uh
0: I was, I was gonna scream out! I was gonna scream out! Hype beast! I don't even know what that means, so I just <laughs> hype <the> beast. <laughs>
1: <second>. <laughs> kind of wild how the hype beast kind of all started, or like I don't even know
0: what that is. Explain it to me as an as a as a person who is not in with the times.
1: Mm, it's the hype beast is one that loves all the hype but it kind of goes back into that type of hustle mindset if you know that there's a demand for this certain product and this certain um, brand you're gonna utilize and, and you know capitalize on that knowledge of the demand and keep continue building up the hype by purchasing it and selling it or just promoting that promoting and Improving that hype, so it's it's kind of like what I'm talking about now. Everyone's, it seems like a lot of uh, influencers they are essentially hyping up themselves or hyping up something else. So they want to be that type of hype beast. Mm. But yeah, but I think that the hype beast separates from the influencer because it's more it's something even bigger. So it's the supreme, it's the vape, it's the it's those Jordans. It kind of it blows my mind, and it's so
0: weird to me that you would choose a commercial brand to then al- align your identity with. Like, I just – I don't understand it at all. Like, I just – yeah, I, I, I don't.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's just that they don't have the, an identity to pick from. But that's kind of – what we had growing up as Asian Americans, what identity did you have to pull from? You know, you you look at your parents and you're like, they are that Vietnamese refugee immigrant identity. That's not me. I didn't go through the struggles they did. You look in Hollywood and on TV and you see those other identities. You're like, I'll pick a little bit from here and there. I'm not going to fully dedicate or I'm not Bill Gates. I can't be Bill Gates. You no know, things like that i don't know
0: interesting yeah i i, th- I definitely think that i mean uh, i said that i don't understand it but we all do it to some extent right like in we choose our style we choose the things we wear we choose the things we, the car we drive the whatever like there there's definitely at least in our culture today this like odd consum- this consumerism culture that didn't exist before mass production like we define who we are, by the things that we consume, and even how we relate to each other we're, on a day-to-day basis. It's what did you watch? What did you eat? What did you read? Um, mm-hmm. That's that's like a whole another large conversation that I don't think I have the mental capacity to have. <laughs> but I, how do you, I,
1: how do you think those the like the intellects and the people during the Renaissance? What? How did they kind of create that new identity? in the renaissance without consuming new things
0: that's that's a great question that i don't know i really don't know i think um man i think i was talking to you about a podcast recently philosophizes where there's actually an episode that goes goes that goes really deep into this about how the idea of a consumer is a relatively new idea somewhere generated somewhere in like the mid-20th century Mm-hmm. Um but before that I think there was less of a question of your identity because you were kind of born into an identity right you're the son of a blacksmith oh I'm going to be a blacksmith um or you're born into you're born like the idea of getting to choose and making choices about who and what you are I don't even know if that was an option for people back then you know, right. like you're 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 either lucky enough that you're born into um like the five percent of the population that has resources to do shit, or you're not, and you have zero resources, and you're just trying to make you're just trying to make survival possible. Um, and so I think in 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 that sense of the world, you know your lot in place, or you think you know your lot in place, um. Sorry, place in the world, lot in the world, whatever, and a lot of identity came with religion as well because you know religion was an all-powerful, all-consuming thing,
1: um,
0: and you kind of derived your identity from that. You didn't have like the ex- existential crisis that all of us have nowadays of who am I, what do I choose to do, what do I choose to value, whether you do that explicitly or not. Um, there, there, there's, there's like this this modern turmoil of figuring out who you are that I don't think people struggled with as much as then. Like, obviously I don't know, mm-hmm. but.
1: Yeah. There, like what you said, it's this consumerism, but I think the idea of consumerism back then is different than the consumerism now. Uh, there's, with all the kind of stuff that you can get from the internet of things you can consume the content, right? There's, there, um, there's, there's two different types of content with all of the, the very heavy um, social media apps that are going on. The Instagram, the Facebooks, those are considered um, status contents. And it's like, what am I doing now? What am, this, is, this is what I'm eating now. This mm. is who I am now. This is how I'm feeling now. Versus the YouTube and TikTok, which is just purely entertaining mm. and entertainment yeah. content. That's not about status. It's just here. This is the creative content. I'm just gonna put something and put something as creative as what I want to consider and be a creator to create. So you're either creating the creative content or you're creating the status content. And I think maybe the consumerism now that we're consuming is a lot of that status content, which is new because back then you didn't even, you you couldn't really tell what the a big majority of people were doing at a time. Only like. You only knew what the person in front of you was doing.
0: That is very fucking interesting to me because I also see, I also see that dichotomy of of broadcasting like your status is you know that's that's it's low effort right like this is what I'm doing versus exercising like creative will and, and, and creating content and I think there's a huge, like I think there's a huge difference in mindset that I think people who are Satisfied and content with their lives will tell you is that They create like they engage in some sort of creating behavior and so If we pull it back to our earlier conversation of the gen z folks like yeah We grew up in this generation where you know everyone wanted to be a superstar Everyone wanted to be famous like the millennial generation and that's why instagram became so famous um because we're always just trying to broadcast things about ourselves to as wide of an audience as we can, like remember like people with like a million Facebook friends and things like that, uh, and getting mm-hmm. all these notifications and likes. Um, whereas now it is it, you're right, it has shifted to more of content making. That's 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 really interesting. I've never noticed that before.
1: Like the the creative content.
0: Yeah, like the TikTok stuff. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, YouTube for sure. Um, But that's why, that's why interesting phenomenon.
1: It blew up with TikTok because or right now during this pandemic, because everyone knew what our status is. Our status is everyone's at fucking home. We can't go anywhere. (laughs) And so Uh, the only content they had to create was just new creative type of content rather than displaying their status and the hype that they have. Right. And and you're no longer consuming that. Maybe this is uh, an interesting new renaissance. Look at us! We started a podcast. This is a new type of you're, creative. I was
0: just thinking that. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this will. Maybe this will make me feel more content in the world <laughs> now that I'm making shit. But can you call it making shit if all I'm doing is talking?
1: I guess it's content. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I think. I think. Yeah. You're still. If. In turn. In. For maybe a human um, ingrained human by nature type of thing, is that we like to create things
0: very much so?
1: Is there something because I wasn't raised Catholic or Christian or you know by a church? I don't really know how the Bible talks about the creator and God as being our creator and how we are an image of God. So, is there something in the Bible about how we like to create? Or we are a creator.
0: I have no idea, to be honest with you. I don't consider myself mm. Catholic, but I was raised Catholic. Um, I I don't know. I there's like the there's like the I don't know what would you call it? Not an idiom, but the thing that people used to say in America: idle hands make the work of the devil. Um,
1: I've never heard terms- that. <laughs> You've
0: never heard you never heard that? So like no. the 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 pre- I mean the the statement is just saying, you know, if you're not doing anything, you're going to start if you're not busy, you're going to start trouble. Um, but yeah, in in terms of I don't I don't I don't know if I feel like stories from the Bible are more like I don't know. punishment for humankind. There's a lot of weird fucking stories in the Bible, man. Um but I can't say that. I, I can't say sometime. that. There's a. There uh, is. Uh, there's. there's <laughs> I remember a great. Uh, I got a a present for my communion was fucking a picture Bible, <laughs> and I remember <laughs> thoroughly enjoying it as a child. But I, I'm sure it left out all the racy stories about uh, people cheating on each other and decapitations and genitals as, genital emissions as large as a donkey. Um, a lot of that was skipped. <laughs> but I remember as a child thoroughly enjoying the picture books. <laughs> so were you um, raised Buddhist?
1: Essentially, yeah. We went to the temples and then we would pray at home. Um, but there wasn't any real teachings that anybody gave us. Okay. Um, so just, you're more you're, like
0: you... the cultural Buddhist
1: yeah, as
0: opposed to like the actual like, this these are teachings from the Sutra Buddhist, right?
1: Okay, right, okay. You know what? Um, so later in October, I believe, um, Diwali is coming up, and Diwali is the Hindu, maybe not just Hindu, but um, in India, it's the festival of lights, and mm-hmm. with Diwali there's like a ton of different stories that go along with it and there was one story that I that I learned about about this prince and a king um, where the prince was exiled from his kingdom and then he had to go fight and do all this crazy stuff but he met like these magical creatures like this monkey who could like shoot fire and become like a hundred times its size to help fight the, the other demons and the bad monsters that are trying to attack the prince but it's like these stories in that i wonder if in those stories in that religion there there's like a little bit of similarities between the bible stories and those those type of lessons
0: yeah parables uh learning lessons these stories i'm sure there's i'm sure there's overlap but it's um yeah, it's interesting. I do that is one thing that I I miss in modern culture. Um where I miss it in modern culture and it's one of the reasons I'm like a huge I'm a huge fan of fantasy and sci-fi, uh which is these elaborate stories that indirectly teach you a lesson about life. Like it's kind of like that Inception in, in that Inception um thing that they say in the movie where they're like, you know, if you tell someone something in a dream, their mind just mm-hmm. rejects it because you're the one telling them. You have to make it think that, you have to make them think that they thought of it themselves. And I kind of feel like that's something that parables do and they teach you like an indirect lesson. Like they're not telling you, be a good person, like in those words, but they're showing yeah. you the story that you read, you comprehend, and then you come up with a, oh, be a good person. And it's uh, or, I feel like it's yeah. much more effective than, like, trying to pound something into someone's head.
1: True. It's, it's like these stories that we're going to tell are stories of our personal lives, too. And when you hear those par- uh, parables and then you have some type of related story that you're experiencing in life, you just relate to that story and you have that lesson already. So growing up Buddhist, right? um there was it wasn't even a story it was just my mom was telling me (laughs) that there was a famous monk i I think i was 13. there was a famous monk no not even a monk no it was it was um a traveling type of artifact buddhism artifact that was coming to san jose and there was this temple um that was going to have these artifacts and in one of those art in a few of these little artifacts were these diamonds and it were these diamonds um created from the ashes of monks that have reached enlightenment buddhist monks that have reached enlightenment and my mom told me the story that if you're looking at these little diamonds and they shine at you that means you're going to become an enlightened one or you're a reincarnation of one of those monks Cool. And so, and so we went there and looked at it none of those diamonds shined at me so I know you know I'm not, I'm not I a was just going to ask
0: you so Billy are you an enlightened <laughs> one
1: but with that they also had another monk that was there that was like kind of I guess you could say like a high powered monk and then um, we all you know stood in a line and then we walked up to this like this little baby monk statue and we poured water To give this little baby Buddha a bath and then we prayed and then we went to the monk and then we like knelt down and he put his his hand on our head and it was crazy because this was it was very it was a very strange day it was really hot in San Jose but the temple inside was really cold there was AC and there wasn't even that many people so the room was very cold it's big wide kind of conference looking type of room and the monk when he put his hand on my head I just started feeling a ton of heat and I was sweating and I didn't know how long this, his prayer was going to be, but he was like saying stuff and there was like heat coming out of his hands and somehow my whole body just started getting like really hot and warm. And it wasn't in the sense that like I was up there in front of everyone else in line. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that type of like, you know, being, getting bashful or like getting yeah. hot from that type of like uh being yeah, uh, what is thought. it like stage fright but it being was flushed. it was like he was yeah being flushed. he was he was just putting some type of crazy heat all over me and i was like this is wild
0: that is wild i'm not you know i'm i'm not a huge believer or i'm not a believer at all in like supernatural phenomenon but i, I i'm trying to i'm trying to be more accepting of people's experiences and that's very interesting to me because you're it, it reminds me of this uh, the story I watched on God what show is it I don't know it was it, it was a it was a Chinese guy an older Chinese practitioner where um, he said he could heat things up like just with his Chi and so they mm-hmm. did a like that that what are the heat vision camera infrared infrared vision camera yeah. of him doing that to a to a um, stick of aluminum And it showed it That he heated it up And yeah. I don't know if there are tricks to it or what not But it's <laughs> it, That that image of That guy doing that to The piece of aluminum and the monk doing that to your head Is what I saw just like mm. Yeah it was
1: It was pretty crazy at, at that point I'm, I'm like I gotta figure out what the hell Is all this type of magical Powers that they, these Buddhist monks have and it's probably like the Shaolin <laughs> monks somehow where they can channel the chi, they can channel the chi it's really funny
0: because well. earlier you're talking we're talking about these powers now and earlier you called them a high level monk so I'm just imagining like a level 44 like warrior <laughs> monk walking around with giant beads around his necklace and a battle stick <laughs> that's
1: that's what he was uh, He had pictures of him with like the Dalai Lama and all these other. <laughs> <laughs> Talked about a lot of crazy topics This was a good first podcast We kind of went all over the place But I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that Uh, We'll keep going With these different topics Hopefully we don't repeat these stories But I know I got a lot of stories Koi has a lot of stories And there'll be a lot of stories Where you hear about me and Koi As friends and how we've known each other For this long So stay tuned, listen in And thanks for listening
0: Later y'all